John's Gospel, chapter 7. Yesterday we looked at a verse, John 7:37, where the Lord promised the Holy Spirit, which was never given before, that those who believe in Him, like the disciples, they would be able to receive the Holy Spirit where the Comforter, the third person of the Trinity, would come in person and live within them. Well, where it will be as a well, as a river, flowing rivers of living water. There are many things that God speaks in His Word that the careful student of the Bible who reads looking to the Lord for revelation we mentioned that word revelation yesterday we need the revelation of God otherwise the Bible although we can pick up some things just by reading by using the powers of inference we can pick up things and we can itemize things and we can do a lot it's a blessing itself to get some things that are quite obvious and uh, correspond to our human experience, how to get along with people and how it's better to have love and forgive. These are things that universally people know about, even if they don't practice it. Because of that shattered image of God within every human being, there's something called a conscience, a knowing within oneself even from childhood, that certain things are just not right. And other things we learn from the environment, from the parents, from siblings and peers, from the society in which we grow up in. But there's something that's within every human being called the conscience. But God clearly shows that conscience is not enough for salvation. We need the blood of Jesus to wash us clean from the inside out. And then we need to be, once we're cleansed with the blood, to be filled with the Spirit of God. This is what God was teaching progressively in the Bible. That we need to follow God's great plan. The question for me and for you is, are we filled with the Spirit of God? It's our great privilege to be filled with the Spirit of God. And incidentally, our upcoming men's meeting on the last Saturday of the month of March, I posted in the men's group, God's Man men's group, will be exploring, even as we share with one another, how our walk with the Lord has been going and what God has been showing and what we're learning. We'll also be privileged to hear some of God's revelation concerning how to be overcomers in this life for the glory of God and be people who would bear good fruit. The Lord has a lot of revelation. It's a wonderful word. It's a disclosing and unveiling of what God has for each of us. And it's possible to miss it if we don't the revelation that comes from God. And one such great revelation is that every believer ought to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. This is so profound, speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that happened to the first group of people ever with the 120 or so in Acts chapter 2 of Jesus' followers. And then from that period in the first century down to the present day, God has been pouring out the Holy Spirit. What a shame if someone doesn't believe that, doesn't receive that. They will be trying to push the cart with ancient wheels. A rough ride ahead for sure. They wouldn't be making use of what God has made available. As we mentioned yesterday, Peter the Apostle received the latest revelation from God 
in Acts chapter 10 concerning the grand purpose of the Almighty for Jews and Gentiles. God broke through that barrier when he showed him that vision of that sheep descending from heaven with all kinds of creatures. When the Spirit said, Peter, rise, kill and eat, Peter said, not so, Lord. I haven't done this before. This is against the Jewish dietary code, the law. The Lord was breaking new ground and Peter had to be close to God and you find that Peter was actually praying when uh, this revelation came. How could we ever get revelation from God unless we're seeking God and praying, spending time with Him, being able to discern the distractions that come in to keep us from the very life that we desperately need. We need the connection with God. If all else is gone, one thing must remain that is our living connection with God through the Holy Spirit as we seek Him continually in prayer. We must speak to God and seek Him. Peter was seeking God and so the latest revelation came from heaven right to Peter. And God used him mightily. Revelation always results in revival. Hallelujah. Revelation from God is not for some knowledge to put away to the side and be enamored by it. But it delivers power. Because the Spirit of God is a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The kingdom of God is in demonstration of the Spirit and the Word. We need to be in touch with the power of God. We must be praying. Revelation from God will always result in revival. First of all, as we heard about Ezekiel in the vision of the valley of the dry bones, there's a revival for Ezekiel, the very man who's privileged with the revelation. Then through him, revival to others. There is a revelation of God's power to do the impossible. Never has he seen it before. A valley full of dry bones. And it's written emphatically. He was amidst many bones as he surveyed that valley. And it's written that they were very dry. Behold, they were dry. Dead as dead can get. But just as the Lord Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus, nothing is impossible for the Lord of life. He's breathing into us and he's telling us, I'm restoring you. Hallelujah. Good news for us. After the past couple of days, there has been some incisive surgery from the Holy Spirit to reveal the utter hopelessness of human nature. We saw that in chapter 6 and 7 so far of the Gospel of John. And how we can never trust ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to filter out everything we hear and feel. Opinions and feelings must never come in the picture when God calls us to have faith in the revelation of God. Our lives are meant to be like rivers teeming with life where our whole life is cleaned out. Nothing but fruit is blossoming. And to others, they will be able to find that fruit delightful because it's coming from the Holy Spirit. They will begin to feel that life can be full and free and fruitful for them too. Do you have that kind of effect on the lives of those who know you? Do they long for the freedom that you have? Do they long for the fullness of life that you have? Do they long for the fruitfulness that they see in you? There's no backward step. There's no stagnation. There's a rushing river of living waters coming out. And everywhere you go, life is found. Hallelujah. This is the glory of what the Lord is communicating here. On the last day, John 7:37. if you haven't underlined it in your Bible or highlighted it, 
you ought to highlight John 7:37 and 38 and 39. Someone please read John 7:37, 38 and 39 for us. John 37, John chapter 7, 37 verse, NKJV version. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this, he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Praise God. Hallelujah. The burden of the Lord is, once he opens the door to heaven's blessings, the latest revelation, he expects all of his children to come rushing in and take, to partake of it. To be blessed, that's God's heart. But if his children are questioning and they're delaying and they're distracted, how grieving it would be for God who has gone to the extent of giving the life of his precious, beloved, only son, Jesus Christ. And through his death and through his resurrection, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, has been dispatched. What would happen if believers ignore that, minimize it, and do not benefit from it? Can you see now the burden of those who are truly spirit-filled? Those who have been baptized with that living water by the Holy Spirit? It's almost as if you're living in full color while those without the baptism of the Holy Spirit are living in black and white. It's almost as if due to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, your eyes are wide open to see the beautiful colors and hues of nature around you, particularly in autumn when all the rich, vibrant colors come out. And it's a feast for the eyes and for the soul, the beauty, the artistry of God's handiwork. And we get to enjoy it. It's as if another person says, I also know God. I'm enjoying God. I pray. But their eyes are shut and they cannot see. The beautiful colors. It's as if someone has lost the sense of smell and taste. How does it feel? Many of us have experienced the flu at least once in our lifetimes where we have lost that sensation of taste. And should we say to someone who is enjoying a savory meal, I also am eating. Can't you see I'm eating? Don't look down on me or find fault with me. I'm eating the same food and I can taste what I can taste, even if I don't taste anything. That's about what I have. How it would feel for the other person. When the other person knows you don't know what you're missing. This is the yearning that comes into a spirit-baptized believer, walking in the spirit. Others, brothers and sisters, to taste, to drink deeply of the river of life that God has to offer. It's the difference between someone going, cruising at high speed on a vehicle that's made in somewhat of an aerodynamic manner that is able to cruise and the wheels and the technology, everything is conducive to smooth riding. The shocks are fabulous. There's no hindrance. But for the other one, with a push cart, broken down ancient wheels, trudging along the cobblestone, uneven pathway, saying, I'm also riding. I'm also driving. Don't look down on me. It's not a matter of looking down. Jesus said, he that believes on me or in me, as the scripture has said, 
out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But notice the condition. If anyone thirsts, the great privilege of the believer who really loves God, that's why I'm so passionate about it, you ought to also be the same way, and I believe you are, as you hear what God is saying, oh, that my brother, my sister, my family would thirst for the living water. We can be used by God, first of all, by the example of our lives, the fervency and the passion, not a drama, when people come around to let them know how good it is to be baptized in the Spirit. And then when they go away, go back to the old way. But genuinely, there's been a change. Qualitatively, there's been a change in my Christian experience, so radical that I almost cannot recognize how I used to be without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And are you walking in the Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit? These are the questions that God wants us to answer, even as we read what God has been saying about the thirsty, the truly thirsty, the ones who will be filled, who really believe in. This leads us to conclude, rightly so biblically, that those who read the scriptures, they go and they want to evangelize their neighbors, colleagues, fellow students, and they have that longing that they also should come to know Jesus, but when God has given the latest revelation that you need the fullness of the Holy Spirit, to not benefit from that is now not to believe it. And that's the crux of the matter. There are people, various persuasions within Christendom, we're speaking of those who are born again who just do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That means they are unbelievers concerning that. And that's how serious it is, really. Because the Lord says, he who believes in me. Look at the apostles. They lived with the Lord Jesus, the twelve did, for about three or three and a half years. They heard the truth. It created a greater hunger for salvation. They benefited by believing in him. But that belief was never stagnant. It kept going on as God kept revealing. That's why they were found in Acts chapter 2 to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit after they were born again. That means that those who read the Bible, we're not talking about people who are in some remote corner somewhere who have bits and fragments of the scriptures and they don't know about the Holy Spirit. They've never read this. Never been taught it. But as far as they know, they're keeping the commandments of God. They are ripe harvest for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And that's why you find people. Many countries where the scriptures may be scarce, but they are simple, not opinionated, not arrogant, though do not want ignorance, but they want continual revelation. They're hungry and thirsty. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they turn their villages, their towns upside down. As per their adversaries, because of the power of God coming in like a flood, reaching many people. But believers who have the whole Bible, they may be in seminary, they may be at home reading the scriptures, but there's a blindness. And when somebody shares with them, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's a defiance. Don't you tell me that. I have the Holy Spirit. They simply don't believe. You see, the belief, the moment they were born again, whether they were eight years old, whether they were 18 years old, the belief continued proportionate with the revelation of God. But when God gave the revelation that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a wall put up. That's where unbelief came in. Do you realize it's possible for believers to be unbelieving? That's why the Lord says in the same Gospel of John, be not unbelieving, but believing. Jesus said that. Who is he talking to? Believers. 
John chapter 20. Let's turn there for a moment. John chapter 20. I'm going to ask somebody to read who has a clear connection. A clear voice. Please read John chapter 20 from verses 24 to 29. John chapter 20, verse 24 to 29. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now we take these scriptures to speak about salvation. That those who hear the word of the gospel, although they haven't seen Jesus with their eyes, they ought to believe the word. The same thing applies to every area of Christian life. Christian experience, revelation from God. Whenever God speaks, we ought to say, Lord, as Peter learned in Acts chapter 10, don't bring your opinion, your resume, your feelings, but abandon everything and say, Lord, speak. His servant is listening, really listening, with the intent to follow that revelation that God has given Sometimes God would want you, God would want me to pray with such a burden, understanding how serious this is, how our loved ones, our brothers and sisters are lacking sorely because they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're blinded in part. They're not in touch, although they may be singing songs about revival. Engaged in activities, they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not walking in the fullness of the Spirit. They're not open to revelation from God. And they suspect, suspect everything that doesn't gel, so to speak, with what they have experienced. Now, every, every experience, we know, has to square away with the Word of God but this is in the scriptures. It's possible for Thomas, who was a believer in Jesus Christ, to become unbeliever or unbelieving concerning the revelation of the resurrected Lord. It's a caution for us. Shall I read that and pity Thomas and say, well, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. Or must I look at myself as the Word of God is a mirror, and say, are there things in my life that God has revealed or God has given revelation, prophecy? And I'm just not 100% with that, or not at all. Sometimes God will wait for us, as even as I pray for some of my relatives with a burden. They mean well, some of them. They're ministering, actually. They're generous but they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of them told me years ago that all the talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit made him feel like he's just one of the second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. He felt miserable. And then someone encouraged him and told him, you don't have to feel that way because that's just a, a denominational preference, you see, of those uh, Pentecostal people and charismatic people and you're fine 
You don't need that. That's a, a private uh, biased interpretation to suit what they want. And so he became, from being a desperate to becoming quite satisfied with his present position, and has not grown. Cannot even understand some of the deeper things of God, the revelation of God. And this is what the Lord told the Jews. You have Moses read all the time in the synagogue, but there's a veil, there's a blocking. There's a blockage there. And in our lives, we have to make sure there's no such blockage. And pray with a burden. This is what I do. I'm longing for the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for some of my closest relatives so that they can taste and all of a sudden their eyes would open up to the entire supernatural realm of spiritual warfare, dreams and visions from God, prophecies and all such things God has made available to make us what? Overcomers, more than conquerors, fruitful in the kingdom of God. Yes, it's a far cry from being a nominal Christian. Nominal meaning name only, in name only. Uh, many people, especially in the Western world, what is your religious preference? In the hospital, governmental forms, uh, my preference, I identify most closely with Christian. What does that mean? I was raised in it. We always had a Bible in the home. My parents didn't take me to a mosque necessarily or to a synagogue. They took me to church. So I'm a Christian. No connection with Christ. No salvation. No change in the life. Nominal Christian. Or some would say traditional Christian. Because of family tradition, they identify with that. Then you have the group of people who at some point, like myself and like you, have really come to know at the foot of the cross, I need Jesus. I'm a sinner. I realize I'm a sinner. I have conviction from the Holy Spirit. I cannot live with God. I'll be sent to the other place because I've rejected God. I need to surrender. Lord, forgive my sins and make me your child. They become born again. It's a great gulf between the nominal Christian and the one who's born again. But there's another gulf that's too often ignored. For those who are truly born again and even zealous for God, but rejecting the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that superpower that God has given us, and go on life as if God never revealed that. Go on with life lacking power and revelation for their immediate circumstances. It's a let go and let God, and I hope so, God, in Jesus' name. And many of them don't even say Jesus' name anymore. Say in your name. Or, Amen. The power and the privilege of calling on the one name given among men under heaven. I can say the name of Jesus. The one name by which we can be healed. The name of Jesus. The one name that the devil that comes to inspire people to commit suicide and have anxiety and have rage and anger and vengeance the name of Jesus can cast those evil spirits out. We ought to love to say the name of Jesus as much as we could. Not to parrot it, but simply to say it for good luck, to take the name of the Lord in vain, but to adore Him because His name reflects who He is. He shall save His people from their sins. We were talking this morning of John chapter 7. Verse 37. Now, if we understand so far the enormity of the need for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, surely, if we have experienced that, we ought to be living in the fullness of that. And before we tell other people you need it, we ought to be living in the fullness of it. Why not have it all? Did God anywhere say, you're going to come up to this point in your Christian life. After that, it's going to be a downward uh, trend. I'm sorry. Because there's a mountain peak that you reach, and then after that, you are going to slip, much like aging in the physical world. You reach a, you reach a, a, a plateau. 
a pinnacle, a peak in your health, in your vibrancy, your vitality. And then at a certain age, depending upon certain factors, you'll see the decline coming in because of old age setting in. Not so for the spirit man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. With God, it's always up and up and up and away. Hallelujah. When we'll be caught up in the rapture to be with Jesus and live with Him forever. There's a continual growth. There's a continual progress. Continual infilling and overflow. Until like Enoch, there's a seamless transition from the natural world to the supernatural world. This statement here, as many times in the scriptures, is packed with revelation. But the Lord says it in very concise terms because as he told the disciples, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. You won't be able to take it in. But for us, brothers and sisters, to the degree to which we are hungry and thirsty and open, and we have shut out and shut down every human opinion, every feeling, every pet doctrine, doctrinal bias, denominational bias, experiential, background, shut everything out and say, Lord, what's your latest? Fill me. Oh, Jesus. I'm looking ahead, Lord. And Lord, to the light that you've given me, I've become a different person at home. Lord, it's not too long now when I get tempted to lose my temper or tempted to talk in a way that's not pleasing to you that I catch myself and I truly feel like Peter, very bitterly weeping, Lord, I'm so sorry. There's that closeness with the Lord and there's a growth to the point where those works of the flesh are no more. It's all walking in the Spirit. Oh, it's a longing, it's an ideal. God says, it's for you. We've expounded this morning on the greater meaning of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit and having a burden for those who are not. We ought to pray. We pray with a burden for those who are not saved. Are you saved? Are they saved? Loved ones who are nearing that eternal transition. To ask that all-important question, is he or she saved? But what about a denial of the power of God as a believer? The burden that God's work must be accomplished God's way in the power that God provides. To trudge along, try to dig, to put a foundation for a structure using a screwdriver and a chisel and a hammer, ignoring the bulldozer that's looming over there, is analogous to a believer. Trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do the right thing. We're trying to evangelize. We're trying to live the Christian life. I'm trying to feel God more. Instead of, I'm walking in the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And the light that He gives me, I'm continuing to obey. But this, He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He did become glorified. After he died on the cross, after he appeared to hundreds of people during the 40 days before he ascended, he is glorified. He is glorified. Now the Holy Spirit's available. What's required to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The first thing is we have to put away every bias, every feeling of self-complacency that I've got it. I know what I'm talking about. I'm serving God. I read my Bible. I teach the Bible. Many, many, many people across the world teach the Bible. They don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And if they claim to, they write in their commentary, such as John MacArthur and Charles Stanley, these people who millions flock to for an education in the Bible, simply deny the power of the Holy Ghost. They've rewritten the Bible. They've taken away and they've added. They say, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is when you're born again. They come with very scholarly comments that, you know, there are a group of people here called this, and uh, at this century there were this. And uh, so today we also have these groups of people that try to talk about some second experience. But, but God said, in Christ you have the fullness of the Godhead and you're complete in Him. Colossians chapter 2. So we're complete. What more is there? And blessed. The revelation of the scriptures is complete with the book of Revelation. And there's no more revelation. There's no prophecy. If you want to talk about prophecy, it's when you preach. That's all. How grieving to the Spirit of God when men tamper with the Scriptures and disseminate that arrogant, willful ignorance and twist of the truth to millions listening to them and keep them also struggling to do God's work and to please them, first of all. God says, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. In the vision, when the sheet was let down from heaven with all kinds of creatures. What if Peter said, not so, Lord, I've never done that before. The Lord says, you don't call unclean what I've made clean now. Do it. What if he came back and said, notice the patience and love of God. He understands Peter is not used to this, but He's giving more revelation. Now, if Peter came with a second reply, no, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. Even if you tell me to do it, I'm not doing it. It would have been over. God would have just been grieved with them. There are times in which God was angry with Moses. There are times in which he was angry with different people, his own people. The prophet was angry with the king who didn't follow through on the instruction. Several kings. Why? It's like you and like me. A parent that sets the dish before the child or prepares it so meticulously and lovingly and making sure they get their B vitamins, the D vitamin, the C vitamins, and whatever vitamins that could be found in food. They say D is from the sunlight, but whatever could be found, things yet undiscovered, people are discovering it every day. There could be all those things provided in certain foods. We don't know for sure. But the parent, according to the degree of knowledge that the parent has, so lovingly investing and sacrificially providing for the junior, junior sits there and says, I don't want any of it. Why? The parent is hurt. Because I'm full already. What have you been eating that mom doesn't know about? Hostess Twinkies. I've been chewing on uh, the now and later candy and been eating popcorn that I stashed away that my friend gave me. I'm full, mom. Plus, I just downed it with a gallon of soda pop. Any parent, especially today, even the people who don't have much exposure to scientific information, it's almost common knowledge that universally people agree that certain things are nutritious and certain things, certain things aren't. There's certain telltale signs of a product having ingredients that are harmful to the human body. Now, how do we think God would feel if he brings the fullness of the Holy Ghost? Since Jesus went up to heaven to be able to send the promise of the Father. And we see in the book of Acts, which could be taken as a manual for the church today, 
how God worked miraculously, wonderfully, with rapid speed, so powerfully, in people, through people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And these people spoke in tongues. And you have men and women preaching, saying, tongues are not for today. And uh, any tongues that you hear, it's from the devil. How wicked, being a very mouthpiece for the devil, scholars and preachers. Now, there are people who mimic the real tongues, and it could be manufactured by the human mind and imagination and wishes just to speak, speak anything. They can say abracadabra. They can say, well, that's my version of tongues and any such word. And say, you can't judge me. You don't know what it means. God knows what it means. Even I don't know what it means. You have people who are imposters and they're playing with fire. Then you have people who are actually inspired and infilled by the devil. Demons, fear to speak. We've seen that in other religions and even witchcraft. There are those who speak in different kind of tongues, quote-unquote, purely from Satan. How do you know? Look at their lives. And the Holy Spirit is there and He's behind the genuine tongues where words are uttered that our minds don't understand but we're speaking mysteries through God as is written in 1 Corinthians and our spirit is edified. You'll find holiness in the life. A longing to be what God wants us to be. Completely trashing the world's way. Not listening to human opinion or human beings, but listening to God. And only those who are led by the Spirit of God speaking as mouthpieces for God. In which case we'll know the result is righteousness, joy, peace. That's the kingdom of God. Holiness, humility, honesty, and the Hebrew word hesed, which means love or loving kindness. Increasing in the life, the real life, the life of Jesus. I pray that this morning every one of us would know the utter seriousness of the need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit by obeying the light that God has given because God says in Acts chapter 5 verse 32 God gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey Him. The more you obey the more you become a candidate to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But first of all, we must believe because God says to those who believe, we must believe every word that God has said and say it's for me. Hallelujah. Lord, it's for me. I want it, Lord. Fill me, Lord, like you did Peter and Paul. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And as we obey and we believe and we long and we thirst and we hunger and we ask the Lord, he said in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. These are the conditions. Nothing complicated. No one has to spend seven years in some monastery or prove himself to be some kind of priest or have uh, so many hours of gospel evangelism like a flight pilot log in the hours. No. As long as we are humble, simply obeying and saying, Lord, I'm your child. And you said it's for all your children who believe. I believe, Lord. Oh, God, fill me. I long for Jesus. I want to glorify Jesus in my life. My life, as I used to live it, is over. That person is dead. There's a new me because I've believed on the name of Jesus. I've become born again. I'm your disciple, Lord. Now fill me to overflow. Ask. The Lord said it's for you and to your children and to all those who are far off. So the first thing is to have that complete seriousness concerning, a mature understanding concerning that God has made this available. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. The living water. God has made it available. How do I get it? And get it. Receive it. 
Follow him. Believe him. Be faithful to him. And he will surely give you the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then, to have that burden that I've got it. God has changed my Christian life. Now I, I have a deeper revelation and I'm walking in holiness and there's a closer intimate connection that the moment that I'm off the mark, it doesn't take days and weeks and months for me. Almost instantly I feel conviction from the Holy Ghost and that makes me walk even more closely with the Lord Jesus and things are falling off deeper things God is cleansing me deeper and deeper hallelujah how when I give the word God's hand is upon my service on his behalf to others there's a longing in the people I minister to they want to know how come you're a Christian and I'm a Christian and you have this radical, passionate desire and not only an emotional high in passion, but there's a holiness. There's a change in your mannerisms. There's a laser focus on God's perfect will. Oh, how did you get that? Tell me, where did you go? You can tell them. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Dreams and visions. And more than just intuition. The revelation from God. There's a growth. Are you longing for that progress? We ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command from God in Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. How wonderful to be in God's Word day in and day out. To encourage one another in the Word. So we can become more and more like Jesus instead of becoming stagnant, going through that emotional roller coaster up and down, up and down, up and down. God means for you to be stable, to become strong, not weak in faith, but strong in faith, and to have heaven open before you. And every day, hallelujah, to glorify God and to see what you can do for God through the power of God. And then have that burden for other people who are believers. They haven't tasted. They don't have the fullness. Especially, tragically, those who belong to denominations and those who are preaching that you ought to be filled with the Spirit, but they themselves really are not filled or are not walking according to that infilling. These are the different aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost, that are avoided and never taught or explored for the betterment of every believer. It's our privilege this morning to have the laser focus on the very areas mentioned, the very analogies given, to see where you are on the radar. Say, Lord, there's got to be progress. And thank you, Lord. Oh, it's so wonderful. Like a person who receives that cup of cold water and lots of it in a very dry, humid day, dry and humid as possible, to have this mixed up emotional barrenness, not knowing who I am, having a chill, having a fear at the same time, being hot and cold, up and down, lots of talk, lots of steam, very little locomotion in the spiritual realm, confused. Lord, touch me. I want the living water flooding my soul and gushing out of me also. This is the inheritance of the children of God. Believe on Him. Obey Him. Believe and obey. Go together. I mentioned before also the African continent. There's a preacher that went there and he was examining the translation of the Bible into one of the local African languages or dialect. And he saw a beautiful translation. Everywhere he saw the word believe. In the African translation, they had a hyphenated word attached to it, which was obey. So John 3.16 would read like this in one of the African Bibles. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever would believe, obey him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. I love it. That's accurate as far as doctrine is concerned. Nowhere does God say to believe on him without obedience. In fact, that kind of belief is fake. Faith without works is dead. It's like the body without the spirit becomes a corpse. That's anyone, including ourselves, who say, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, I believe in all the historical Christian doctrines. If you're not obeying, if you're still drinking, smoking, immoral, you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I understand today, I'm really not believing in you. Because belief has to do with the heart, surrendering to Jesus. God is so kind, he's so wonderful, he loves us so much. And so he reaches out to us and says, I can help you. I want you to have the fullness of salvation. And the moment you repent and you say, Lord, I don't want that garbage anymore. And I'm not going to let the devil condemn me. That I'm always going to be like that because that's a lie. Hallelujah. God's power is greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The moment God comes in, he'll give you power to overcome all kinds of temptations from the devil. To be in a position to operate in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we thank you. Lord, make us ever hungry and thirsty. Help us to do it, Lord. Search after you, Lord. Say, Lord, I need more. I need more. I need you, Lord. And I'm coming to you truthfully and honestly and humbly. Because the things you told me to do, I'm not leaving them undone and saying I want more, more, more. But I'm actually examining my life. What you've taught me, what you've commanded me to do, I'm actually doing it. And so I can ask you for more and you will give it. Hallelujah. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up, Lord. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Lord, fill my cup till it overflows. Father of glory, Thank you, Lord, that this day is a good day to glorify the living God. So be with your people and empower them. Those who are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, may they be stirred to seek baptism in the Holy Spirit. Those who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, may they be stirred to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to learn what it means to walk singing, making melody in the heart to the Lord, beautiful love relationship with God 24-7 singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, being humble, submitting to one another in love. Oh God, to be just like Jesus. Having a deep burden that we cannot eat or drink or sleep without seeing souls saved. All to be filled with the Holy Ghost. May your people, Lord, catch that vision zeal from God to be full of the Holy Spirit to have a good and godly day to be agents of healing to the people around us to be full of love, joy, peace patience kindness, goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control to be a bright light blameless in this world that is crooked and perverse. Thank you, Lord, for saving us out of it. We used to be in it. Thank you, my Lord and Savior. We love you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.